welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Okay, welcome to the Steroids Podcast. So everyone remember that steroids are dangerous. Performance-enhancing drugs are dangerous. If you use them, you put yourself at risk for health risks and early death. Okay? So, know that that's the risks that you're taking when you use steroids and performance-enhancing drugs. They are not totally safe. You're putting yourself at risk by using them. The first question for today is from Nick, who asks, High test only cycles. Test is best. I feel the best and most productive on testosterone only. 1,000 milligrams to 1,500 milligrams a week. Would it be best to start at the highest dose or work the way up in the cycle? Doing test only blasts for mass gaining and dabbling in the other goodies, trend, wind straw, etc. for a summer cycle once a year. Yeah, the way that a lot of people do it that are into longevity and being big and strong for a long time is mostly just running testosterone and growth hormone and DECA and nothing else really for the most part as the performance enhancing drugs for most of the time. And then, like you said, once or twice a year, three times a year or so, they'll do something like add in some Winstrol at 50 to 100 milligrams per day, or some Trenbolone at 50 milligrams every other day, or 100 milligrams every other day, or you know, up to maybe even 100 milligrams per day of Trenbolone acetate. Sorry, yeah, 100 milligrams per day, and so, so 700 milligrams per week, you know, as a maximum. Uh, and that would be how guys that you see who are really big and they're, they've been able to maintain that over decades, long periods of time, that's mostly what they're doing. For the most part, they're not running all, all this other stuff. One of the things, guys, is that once it takes more gear to get muscle than it does to maintain muscle. I'm sure you know that already. That's what blasting and cruising is for. There's a a maintenance period where that you do the, 
usually around one cc of testosterone per week for cruising and then when you want to do a steroid cycle then you increase the dosage or add in whatever you want uh, to do your steroid cycle so that that's for uh that's for health reasons also so that you're not going on and off of PCT drugs as far as starting at a thousand milligrams and working up to a thousand five hundred milligrams per week yeah that's a good idea to do that a thousand milligrams per week of testosterone that's a great dosage that's a common dosage for guys to take and just beyond that a, f a funny example of this that you might know online online is there's a, a TV show on YouTube called the Delray Misfits they do gym stuff and a guy on their show he's a he's a 70 year old man who's had cancer and this stuff his name is Big Richard but and and he's pretty buff he's pretty yoked like like he's bigger than most people than most you know 20 year old dudes for sure and that's what he runs he runs about a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week year-round uh, and occasionally he adds in some other stuff there's one example there and a thousand milligrams per week of testosterone is a great dosage to be getting the full effects of testosterone the full effects of being on steroids especially up to a thousand five hundred milligrams per week that is a dosage that is enough to get fucking jacked using it as your only performance enhancing drug so I think that's a good idea I think your idea I think it's a good one Nick the so next question is from Ryan do daily HGH injections versus other every other day injections matter I heard IGF-1 levels decrease over time with daily injections. Do you think... Okay, he has two questions, so I'm going to answer that. Um, usually, IGF-1 levels stay up really well with everyday injections. The growth hormone is in and out of your body in about, in about 12 hours after you do the after you do the injection into the subcutaneous so through the skin into the fat when you do that it's in your body and then completely out of your body done everything it does about 12 hours after that injection was performed and the other ways that are possible to perform a growth hormone injection are intramuscular or intravenous but traditionally in bodybuilding uh, subcutaneous route is the way that bodybuilders have taken injections so it seems that the uh, the most ideal way to take growth hormone is taking it twice a day so that you have it in your system 24 hours a day so since it's in and out of your system does its thing completely in about 12 hours it makes the most sense that um, two two applications per day would yield the most benefit, and then uh, any increment less frequently from there would be 
less beneficial. But I will tell you that taking growth hormone first thing when you wake up in the morning is a preferable time to take it because during your sleep, during the night, that's when you produce mostly all of the growth hormone that you produce. And then when you wake up, usually, like naturally, you're not really producing any growth hormone anymore. You've already been doing that a lot in your sleep. So then that's a perfect time to take some growth hormone because then 12 hours later, you know, say it's 6 a.m., and you take some. Now 12 hours later at 6 p.m., okay, it's out of your system, and now there's no more growth hormone uh, going to be in your blood when you go to sleep again to be preventing your own pituitary gland from noticing, oh, there's high growth hormone levels. I'm not going to release my own natural growth hormone. So one growth hormone injection per day, actually just taking it once in the morning, that has the most bang-for-your-buck impact. Taking it twice per day, yeah, I gotta say, yeah, it's it's better than than taking it once per day. But if you have, if you can only take it once per day, taking it once per day in the morning makes the most sense, and it does have the most impact. Taking two injections per day over taking one injections per day, it doesn't really make a huge difference. It, it maybe only makes a like a twenty percent difference or so. It's it's not. It's not a huge difference. Total total daily growth hormone uh, IU amount, the total amount of growth hormone that you're using per day is the most significant factor affecting how well the growth hormone works. Okay, and then Ryan's second question is, do you think HGH, human growth hormone, is the reason for NBA players like LeBron James having huge growth spurts after high school? If yes, what dose are they using to grow so tall? Okay, I don't know about uh, LeBron James in specific. Um, I don't really follow basketball too much, but I'm obviously aware of him. Uh, so the, the dosage that the doctors usually prescribe for children to increase their height when they're doing that, the doctors who do that, a lot of times... The children will have, you know, not be producing as much growth hormone as a normal child. And some doctors that do prescribe it for children that are growing normally, but to help them grow taller, will say like, oh, it's, you know, for optimizing the child's growth hormone levels, like AKA growth hormone deficiency disorder. So that that's one way to kind of, that they can kind of like, sneak these guys in here uh, in the system and the usual dosages that are prescribed and I'm just going to say you know because they don't they don't tell the dosages they don't share that the dosages that they use for when they're kind of acting under the rug a little bit taking more or less normal children and kind of increasing their height but for the ones that do have short stature and they they need growth hormone to help make them taller they prescribe those children in general uh, between 5 to 10 IUs of pharmaceutical-grade uh, human growth hormone per day. Those are the That's the general range. 5 IU is the low end, and 10 IU per day is the high end of what the doctors prescribe those children that have stunted growth 
and need growth hormone uh, to start helping them grow. All right. So the next question is from Will, who asks, when should I start Caber on Trend? I'm already two weeks into Trend Acetate and currently waiting for mid-cycle bloods to tell me my prolactin levels because that's a hormone I don't want to mess up. Okay, well, it sounds like you're probably having a pretty good reaction to what you're using because usually it takes about between 7 to 14 days to start feeling the negative libido side effects of Trenbolone. Actually, the first week on Trenbolone is a huge increase in libido and also spontaneous erections, um, which is completely different than, you know, after the first week or the first two weeks. Uh, during that first week, it's a, it's a huge sex drive stimulant with no, with no cabergolin or prolactin. Um, and it, it's like, uh, it, it's very, very strong sex drive stimulant and also penis stimulant because your penis is getting erect like all day. Like you probably have memories of being in seventh grade or eighth grade or something, grade seven, grade eight, and like walking around between, you know, you're in class and you're like, oh my God, oh shit, got a, got a, a, a boner over here. And so then it's like the bell rings and you got to go up and get to the next class. So then you're like walking with either your binder or your backpack, like in front of your crotch or something. I'll bet you, I'll bet you, you've got a memory like that. I'll bet you don't lie to me. So Caber and, uh, Primipexel, Cabergoline and Primipexel, those are not healthy drugs to be using. Okay. Uh, they're prescribed by doctors for Parkinson's disease. And basically what dope, so prolactin is the opposite hormone of dopamine, just like, um, ghrelin is the opposite hormone of growth hormone or insulin is the opposite hormone of growth hormone. And, uh, that was a bit, that was a bit, that was a bit of a stretch there. I'll admit that was a bit of a stretch. But cabergoline and pramipexel work because they stimulate the dopamine receptor. They act as like fake, fake molecules that aren't dopamine, but they can still stimulate the dopamine receptor, okay? And when dopamine is high, prolactin is low, okay? Or when dopamine receptors are stimulated a lot, then prolactin receptors are, uh, then the prolactin levels go down, okay? And it, it's also the opposite. When the prolactin levels go up, the dopamine levels go down and they're suppressed. So that that's why they work for Parkinson's disease, because if you guys have like grandparents with Parkinson's disease or know anybody with Parkinson's disease, you know, they, they're always using this stuff. Like a lot of times they're on, they use Pramipexel, uh, at least in America, they're not commonly using Cabergoline as much as they're using Pramipexel for Parkinson's. Uh, but it, it is the reason for both drugs. Uh, but anyways, Parkinson's is when your your dopamine receptors they're getting burnt out. Your your dopamine your whole dopaminergic system in your brain is getting burnt out and it's not working functioning correctly. So then they take the Premipexel or the Cabergolin, and it acts as a substitute uh, for the dopamine and to really stimulate those receptors and helps them be able to deal with the Parkinson's disease. So since Trenbolone 
raises prolactin levels, well, it's pretty freaking intolerable to have high prolactin levels. So most people, in order to deal with that, take cabergolin or pramipexil. And pramipexil will make you so sick if you take that stuff um, at a high dosage uh, that you need to take it at in order to prevent trembling side effects. So you, the way that I've done it that has worked for me is to work my way up day to day in point one milligram so 100 microgram increments uh so i'll take 0.1 milligram so a tenth of a milligram on the first day and then on the second day um uh 0.2 0.2 milligrams and then on the third day 0.3 milligrams and i'll work my way up to about 0.5 milligrams per day and then start taking, you know, maintain 0.5 milligrams per day of Premipexil if I'm using Trenbolone. And that will solve the the prolactin side effects. But, you know, for example, one time I took half a milligram um, without warming up to it the first time I ever used it. And then I, I, did, I tried it again later and it happened again about a year later. And... Oh my god, it makes you so sick like like you turn white, turn like a ghost, you think you uh have a fever or you think you have a flu or something and cannot function. If you are at work or something, you're going to have to go home. I was in a meeting with my advisor for for my school, for my my university. I was in a meeting with my advisor and I didn't know what was going on. I I remembered, you know, I knew I had taken Premipexil, but I didn't know it was going to have this effect on me. And so then, you know, we were talking and all of a sudden my face started turning white, flushing, super white. And then I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. And then I went to the bathroom, I vomited. And then uh, I came back like 20 minutes later and he was like, what the hell happened? And I, I was like, I'm really sick, man. I got to go home. And I had to leave our meeting. And then I was I was wrecked for the rest of the day. Um, I think I might have been feeling better about, you know, 15 or 24 hours, sometime between 15 to 24 hours after I took that. You know, that it was half a milligram or, or one milligram I took as my first dose. But when I worked up to it by going point, point 0.1, point 0.2, point 0.3, point 0.4, point 0.5 milligrams working up, or sometimes I might stay on one of those lower doses for a little while to sort of warm myself up to it a bit more. Then there was no problem. Then there was no problem, okay? On the other hand, uh, cabergolin uh, uh, does not cause the sickness problem. And the common dosages of that, it doesn't need to be taken every day. It only needs to be taken twice or three times per week uh, for, for Trenbolone side effects combating and it's taken at by bodybuilders between 0.25 milligrams so 0.25 milligrams uh two to three times per week up to 0.5 or half a milligram uh two or three times per week those are the normal dosages that uh cabergolin cabergolin is used to treat trenbolone induced side effects but these are not healthy drugs and cabergolin has been shown that in people who have used more than 300 milligrams 
total in their lifetime or people who have been using uh, more than 1.5 milligrams per day or uh, one more, more than I think four milligrams or 3.5 milligrams total per week it could have been even as low as 1.5 milligrams uh, anything higher than that per week uh, 1.5 milligrams I think in the study it was determined to be safe I'll have to look that one up again to uh, confirm that but it's it's not a drug you want to be on that's what I'm saying is that they do use it they prescribe this drug okay uh, but when, uh, when when it's been taken in those in those dosages the the problem that it has is it changes people's heart valve structures and so when they've taken they've taken tests of people that have used this this stuff cabergolin for long periods of time and it's not uncommon it actually is known to cause this in people who have taken high dosages for long periods of time if i recall correctly it was it was definitely higher higher dosages than 0.5 milligrams two or three times per week that was causing the the problems with the heart valves and the other one that i know for sure it was a total lifetime dosage of greater than 300 milligrams of cabergolin uh, had a you know a significant risk of having some heart valve trouble after doing that so this is one of the reasons to not take trenbolone it's one of the reasons i gave it up i said this is not not a good thing to do i don't want to do that and i told you all this stuff because you asked when is the correct time to take cabergolin and the answer is when you need it to deal with side effects if you feel that you want to take it if you feel that you want to take one of these things to help you deal with trenbolone side effects then you can use these when you feel the symptoms i wouldn't personally i would want to reduce my exposure to the risk and exposure to these drugs so i would only use them if I had symptoms that required me to use them similar to the way that they're prescribed which is they're prescribed for people who have Parkinson's disease who have to have them to deal with being on Parkinson's disease okay so I would follow that same that same mode of operation modus operandi and I would not use cabergolin or pro or Pramipexel unless I felt that the Trenbolone that I was using was forcing me to be using them. So like I said, guys, this is a reason why. Yeah, I used Trenbolone for a while. I've had my time with Trenbolone. Like I said, I've used it even up to four months straight before. But, you know, for years now, I've said, no, that's, uh, that's not what I want to be doing. I, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't think it's a good thing. But people are going to use it. And people always have used it and people will use it. Uh, it's the most powerful and uh, direct method. It's the most powerful tool in the toolbox of a bodybuilder to get all the things that they want to look like on the outside uh, the quickest. There are other ways there. But 
the Trenbolone is the most direct path to it. And that's why guys struggle with, oh, I don't want to use Tren, but going to use Tren and use Tren. Or some guys, they just say, hey, they they don't care. They don't care about the side effects. And so that's why they're always on Tren. They've accepted that. That's what Tren does. Okay, the next question is from Antoine. In one of your recent Instagram co- posts on bodybuilder in Thailand on Instagram, you're on growth hormone at 3IU a day. How is that treating you? I recently got on and started at 5IU daily and it was too much. So dang tired and lethargic, plus the numbing of the hands, just horrible. Lowered to 2IU and will work my way up. This is my first run with growth hormone. Your body gets used to it the longer you're on. So I'll be able to up the dosage later on, right? That's what I've always heard anyways. And wondering what you get out of 3IU. Um, yeah, so the side effects that you're having with the the tiredness and the lethargic, that that could be, for virgin users, that could be a first month thing. I did experience that my first month ever on growth hormone but it was using generic growth hormone and once i switched to pharmaceutical grade growth hormone after having been off the generic growth hormone for a while i didn't have this effect ever uh with the farm with the pharmaceutical grade and i never have had it using pharmaceutical grade since but that lethargic and tired thing i did get my first month using growth hormone um and it is kind of a known thing for people who are using generic growth hormone because that's what most people are using. And to be honest, though, I don't really know a lot of guys who are using less than less six IU or less per day of pharmaceutical grade who really have tiredness and sleepiness problems. That's not really a thing in general. But I would I would see how it is after a month, see how that is, see if your body adjusts because it it does take a while you get some changes when you first start on growth hormone your water balance etc changes you you gain weight you're just permanently about five pounds heavier or so on growth hormone so your water balance is shifting around it makes some changes your whole metabolism the way you process food everything gets enhanced and changed as soon as you're taking that growth hormone and you asked uh how do i like three i use the growth hormone per day yeah i like that dosage I, I like that dosage, either split up one and a half I use once in the morning and then once in the evening or just two and a half or three I use of growth hormone just once in the morning and uh, calling it a day at that. Uh, it works good. It, it definitely does not work as good as four to six I use. Uh, two to three I use does not work as good as four to six I use. Four to six I use really has that strong full kick in effect where you get the best bang for your buck and two to three i use is like you get some great effects you get you get great effects that that's the way that i would describe it two to three i use a pharmaceutical grade growth hormone per, per day is like wow i am getting some great effects everything that i want to do with my bodybuilding it, it's uh it's coming together it's coming together more the way that I want, everything that I'm doing with my bodybuilding is working more the way that I want it to. 
that's the effects of two to three I use per day of uh, pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. And then four to six IU of pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is like, damn, this shit is fucking sick. <laughs> uh, dude, like, it is strong. It is strong ass stuff. It is strong ass stuff. It, it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, doctors call it the fountain of youth, etc. It has side effects, but it can be used by men and women for one thing. It's not hormonal. It won't make the woman grow a tiny penis like steroids will. So that's an option if they insist on taking something, although I'd recommend they don't take anything. But that's that's what I think of about 3IU and some of those dosages. Um, you'll be able to up the dosage and adjust, yeah. I'd say if you're feeling side effects right now, just stay on the dosage that you're using. And then after a while, if you start feeling, uh, like, back to normal on that, then can try incrementally increasing it a bit. For me personally, just starting at four I use per day out of nowhere doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. Only with generic. Only with generic would I get problems. And the thing with the tingling fingers or things falling asleep, that doesn't go away. That's internal. It's pressure against your nerves. There's more internal volume and pressure inside your body on growth hormone because you have water, more water retention. And it put, puts pressure against your nerves, so... You get some of that falling asleep stuff, especially if you're in certain positions with a limb bent or something like that. Usually the solution for it is straightening out the limb that is falling asleep, but there's nothing you can do for that other than straightening out the limb. Okay, and so the next question is from D, who asks, what would be the recommended dosage and protocol for HGH use for anti-aging? Also, what Southeast Asian countries would you recommend visiting that are steroid friendly and have a decent grasp on english okay so hgh use for aging anti-aging generally if you go to an H, uh, anti-aging clinic they do something between two to four to maybe even five ius or so of growth hormone it's up to the doctor how how much they do at that clinic but then the normal starting dosage is about two IUs of growth hormone per day for anti-aging, and they they can go up and work with you until about four to five IUs per day. The people who are getting the more explosive effects out of growth hormone are the people who are taking between about five to ten IUs per day. Uh, obviously, more always works better. Uh, but exponentially less as you keep increasing the dosage. It becomes less and less effective to increase the dosage. But 5 to 10 IUs per day uh, combined with steroids. It has to be combined with steroids. It can't be used alone or else it won't have an explosive performance enhancing and body recomposition effect. It must be used with steroids. It's the synergy of the two working together that makes a special reaction in your metabolism the way that your body handles and processes food. So 
for anti-aging, yeah, just know that the guys who are a little older, 50 or 60 years old, and they have this incredible transformation that is unbelievable when they get on the, the growth hormone and the testosterone replacement therapy, that's not at the baby dosages that they prescribe as minimum dosages at the hormone replacement clinic or something like that. Uh-uh. When it, always trust your eyes. Always trust your eyes. When you're, when you're hearing what people say that they take or you're hearing or just whenever anybody says something to you and, you know, you're looking at, at physiques with your eyes, you can always tell if somebody's saying some kind of minimum thing and it, you know, the body just doesn't match up. And 99% of the time, your eyes are not lying to you. Like you always have a gut feeling. And if you let somebody talk you out of your gut feeling, then you're going to be deceived pretty often. So with, with those guys that make those incredible transformations that are older like that, just know that, that that's not doing those those baby dosages of, you know, 120 milligrams testosterone cypionate per week and one IU of growth hormone per day. And they're making that kind of a transformation. Uh-uh. That is not realistic. That is totally not realistic. So not going to cut it. And then you also asked, what Southeast Asian countries would you recommend visiting for steroid-friendly uh, that speak English. You know, Thailand, um, Cambodia, uh, not so much Laos, not so much Laos. Vietnam, is, Vietnam's definitely got steroids, absolutely. Um, Philippines. I mean, all those all those countries down there, they they're not illegal. That's the thing, is, it's a Western thing to make male hormones illegal, criminal drugs. That you're a person with bad morals if you take them. You're automatically a person with bad morals. You're like a heroin addict or something. You freak. You freaky steroid user. I love it. Yeah. So with those uh with those bastards they just want the body. They just want your body. I would say just go to the Southeast Asian countries. The most reliable ones are probably Thailand and Vietnam for anabolics. For one thing, though, in South America, in Colombia, I walked into a pharmacy in Medellin, Colombia, and, you know, it's spelled Medellin, Medellin, that was how they say it, Medellin, <laughs> and I was asking for testosterone, I wanted to buy Testoviron, but all they had was Nibido, which is testosterone undecanoate, and it's more expensive, and so they didn't have Testoviron, Bayer Testoviron. And then she all of a sudden pulled out Nordytropin from her fridge. And she was like, but here, you like this, don't you? You like this, right? And she had a big smile on her face. She thought, I've got him now. I've got the sale now. But I wasn't taking growth hormone at the time. And so I was like, <laughs> I, 
I was like, well, how much is it? And she told me how many Colombian pesos it was. And it came out to something. I remember I calculated it later. It was like $126, I think, for a 30 IU Nordytropin pen from her pharmacy. And, and it was 100% real. It was exactly the same ones that uh, I used in Thailand. It, it, it was the, the exact same. So that's what she, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it on that day, but when she saw me and I was asking for testosterone, she didn't have that. She thought she had the perfect replacement that I would really like, and regularly I would because that is the that is the primo stuff. Thirty IU Nordytropin pens, pretty cool. Nordylet, Nordytropin Nordylet pen. All right. So the next question is from Sino, who asks. Uh, this is my third day in 20 milligrams Superdraw and 750 milligrams testosterone and anthate and 300 milligrams Trenbolone acetate. 350 milligrams Trenbolone acetate. Is that normal to be gaining a lot of weight every day? I don't see myself fatter, but instead maybe even more tighter. Yeah, that would be totally normal. That would be the Superdraw and the, the Trenbolone acetate together. Uh, by the third day, that's usually when both of those kick in visually, actually. On that third day, usually the second day, you can feel it in the gym. And then the third day, you can see it visually. That's generally how both of those drugs work. So that is a cycle that you could make really amazing explosive gains on. So you'll probably gain about... 10 pounds or so by the end of the week you should keep on gaining weight if you've gained three pounds i think that's what you said is that you've gained three pounds in three days by the end of the week you'll most likely have gained something like 10 pounds or so that's totally normal to gain between five to ten pounds in the first week of going on a steroid cycle but it's not muscle when you're when you're gaining that weight it's distribution, it's redistribution of water and carbohydrate fuel storage. So your muscles gain a greater ability to take in carbohydrate fuel storage known as glycogen and water comes along with that when, when the glycogen goes in, the water goes into the muscle cell too. So they gain, when you go on a steroid cycle, they gain a bit better ability to do that. And so you get this, your body takes on more water and carbohydrates automatically than you were naturally having and it doesn't you know piss them out or poop them out it keeps it in the body and that's where all that weight gain comes from during that first week of roid use that's called the cosmetic effect of steroids it's a redistribution of water and fuel storage on the body and that's why you get a significant change in the way that you look on steroids other than testosterone uh when you know, about something like the first between the first three to seven days of starting using them, there's a redistribution of water and carbohydrate fuel storage around your body into your muscles. And your body looks different after that first week on steroids. And that's because of this effect. So it's totally normal to be gaining weight. It goes away when you're done with the cycle. As soon as you stop the cycle and go to a a cruise dosage of testosterone or you go and do a PCT well be prepared for that same weight and look the the look that you gained during that first week 
and the weight that you gained during that first week, those will both go bye-bye, and and it goes out with your PP after you stop using the steroids. Even if you stay on some steroids, like a cruise dosage of testosterone, it still goes bye-bye out your PP after you're done. Know that. Know that. Know that the steroids, there's something that you're adding. They're a tool you're using to help you. But they are not you. They are not you. So going on and off cycle, it's good for your psyche. Okay, next question. Vintage asks, what would be needed to get a 140-pound 5'9 guy to 180 shredded? Not much. Just standard, standard normal cycles that you hear. Stuff like... 700 milligrams or so of testosterone per week and 50 milligrams or so of Winstrol or Anavar per day or something like 350 milligrams testosterone per week and 350 milligrams Trenbolone acetate per week together. That could be another cycle. Those types of cycles, those are the ones that would get... Uh, guy to 5'9", 180, shredded. I know some people will dispute that and be like, yeah, right. Well, those those people are not, they don't, they're probably people. The people that dispute that are probably people who don't even use steroids, you guys. Because, I mean, Frank Zane was 5'9", 190 when he was on the Mr. Olympia stage winning Mr. Olympia. And then you, so that's only 10 pounds more than what this guy's asking. Okay. And then, and then you got, you, you got a uh, guy saying that, you know, 350 test, 350 Trembolone is too much. Get real. Get real. And Frank Zane has great genetics. Okay. Get real. People always, they just don't want to say it. They just don't want to say it. Okay. The next question is from Slav. I have a lifestyle question. What are the steroids that cause facial hair growth? I suspect that a lot of beard models are on gear. What is your opinion? <laughs> this is a funny question. I like that. I like that. Um, so I have continually gotten hairier as I've gotten older. So I started using steroids when I was 24 and I'm 30 now. And I have continually gotten hairier during that time, but I was also getting hairier up until that time. I started using about halfway into my 24th year, so about half half the way, six months or so, or seven months or so after I turned 24. That was when I first started using. And up until that point, since I was about, 14 or 15 years old I had been slowly steadily gaining more and more body hair and more facial hair every year and then since I've been on steroids until now I'm 30 years old I have continued that trend I've never stopped gaining more hair on my body so back hair seems to be a thing with steroids growing some more back hair but I still don't have a tremendously hairy back or whatever and before I started using steroids I was growing I was starting to grow some hair on my back and one of the things that I have noticed, though, that for sure is going on cycle and off cycle, the rate at which your facial hair 
uh, grows changes. So when I go on cycle, I notice a distinct increase in the amount of uh, length that my beard is growing every few days or so. And then when I go off cycle, I notice, oh, it's not growing as fast anymore. It's a pretty noticeable difference. And then that also goes for growth hormone use going on or off growth hormone, regardless of whether I'm on steroids or not. I all of a sudden notice a pretty large, you know, a significant noticeable increase in the way that the hair on my head is growing. How many haircuts I need to get, how many, you know, how much my hair starts to grow after a haircut, how long, uh, how quickly my beard is growing, etc. I don't know about beard models. I mean, I know nothing about beard models, <laughs> but I will tell you this human growth hormone and steroids, both definitely make the beard grow faster. Okay. Both of them independently make the beard grow faster. All right. So the next, oh, and testosterone too. It, so testosterone has usually androgenic or very male hormone type stimulating Hormones have the most effect on my facial hair, but testosterone out of any hormone has the most effect on the speed of my facial hair growing, how fast it grows after I shave it, and body hair in general. And then second would be growth hormone. Okay, the next question is from NY Cover, who asks, I've heard of people taking human growth hormone intravenously. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, taking human growth hormone intravenously has been studied and in most of the uh the packets of research that come with the different pharmaceutical grade growth hormones there's a little insert inside the package that says how they how they tested it and how what the results of the studies were and blood levels etc of the different of the uh the hormone the growth hormone after being injected different ways etc and or else it's it's also available online, these these inserts that are available that come with the package of growth hormone. They're also available to view online if you look up uh, something like Nordytropin study or uh, Genotropin study. These things will be available. And it shows that taking the human growth hormone injection through your vein, so injecting it into your vein, it's, it's between 90 to... 99% completely absorbed and you use all of it you know all the growth hormone you shoot from the pen all gets absorbed into your body so it's it's more than if you do it into the muscle or into the fat because into the muscle it's something like you know around 70 75% absorbed and then into the fat it's about 60 to 70% or sorry 65 to 70% absorbed through the fat uh, and that that's those are the different rates at which it's uh totally absorbed without some of it getting metabolized or destroyed before it gets absorbed from the injection depot uh the thing is though is that the intravenous growth hormone it for one thing it's stupid to be like having doing pins into your veins all the time that is a way more risky injection than an intramuscular or subcutaneous injection there can be a lot more complications with that doing intravenous injections so for one thing it's more dangerous there's more risk involved and then for the other thing is that it goes in and out of your body in something like 45 minutes or so 
something like 30 to 60 minutes after taking the IV injection of growth hormone, it's in and it's out. It's gone. And then when you do the intramuscular injection, it's about four to six hours until it's in and it's out and it's gone. And when you do the subcutaneous injection, it's about 12 hours that it's in and it's out and it's gone. So the way that bodybuilders have traditionally used growth hormone is through subcutaneous injections. There's been experimentation with other ways, but the way that it's traditionally been used in bodybuilding is through subcutaneous injections. And that's the way that it's typically prescribed too. It's the way, it's the preferable way that doctors also have their patients take growth hormone is subcutaneous injection. Okay, the next question is from Eulogy, who says, Are all oral steroids the same toxicity? What is more toxic? D-ball, Dianabol, Anadrol, or Superdrol? Okay, yeah, this is a great question. They are they're not the same toxicity. Different steroids have different toxicities. Different oral steroids are different amounts of toxic. So Superdrol is the most toxic milligram per milligram. Uh, Dianabol is the second most toxic milligram per milligram. And Anadrol is the third most toxic milligram per milligram. I don't mean out of all of the steroids. I just mean out of those three. It's that, that is the order. One, two, three in order of toxicity. Superdrol is the is more, Anadrol is moderate, and D-ball is less. And but they're all pretty toxic. Once if you take any of those for longer than a month, you'll start to feel not so good. That's pretty much a guarantee. So Anadrol at 25 to 50 milligrams per day, that that's really that can be run for a pretty long time without feeling signs of toxicity. But 25 to 50 milligrams of Dianabol per day, you would definitely be feeling signs of toxicity after about five weeks or so. And with Superdraw, if you're running anything more than 30 milligrams and you're doing that for anything more than like four weeks or so, you're going to be experiencing side effects. And you're going to freaking know it. You're going to have most likely somewhat swollen liver. Notice your belly kind of coming out a bit. And also red eyes, like bloodshot dry eyes that feel like they can't be lubricated. And the wind will really dry them out. It's a really weird thing. Very strange. So they're not all the same toxicity. Ones that are... Ones that are the the least toxic are things like anavar and uh it's usually just the lower dosages guys all the oral steroids are pretty toxic for the most part if you want to be healthy it's better to stay away from oral steroids because oral steroids they're really good and in general they're better and more effective than injectable steroids and they're also cheaper so this is another reason all those reasons are reasons why people use them uh, you can get a, a nice, strong cycle of steroids for much less money, maybe half the amount if you use orals rather than if you use injectables. Injectables are much more expensive to get the same bang for your buck, muscle-building power for the dollar. And so those are reasons why people take oral steroids. But oral steroids have uh, health health effects, uh, and they're they're much worse for your health in general 
than injectables in general. Okay, the next question is from Led, who asks, is it legal to order or buy needles and syringes? And, yeah, generally it is. So some people buy them online. If you just do something like a Google search and you're in America, there are standard places like online medical supply warehouses that sell this stuff. So that's one way that people get it. And then another way is just um, people just go down to their local drugstore or whatever, like their local drugstore and uh, pharmacy, etc., and just ask for uh, insulin syringes with, you know, as big of a needle as they can find on it. <laughs> uh, that's another way that people get them because uh, at least in Western countries, they have to sell them to you doesn't matter if you have a prescription or not they they have to because uh they don't want to have a thing it, it's like a law you know because they don't want to have a situation happen where somebody needs to buy insulin syringes because they have diabetes and they're gonna you know they may die if they don't have their insulin and for some reason they can't prove they're a diabetic patient and so uh you know then they die because they can't buy their insulin syringe and get their insulin in them so that's at least in America. That that's a law here about buying insulin syringes. So I'm not sure about elsewhere, but in America, that's the way that is. Okay, and the last question for today is from Neofark, and he says, "How do how to do the ECA ephedrine caffeine aspirin stack and dosage?" Okay, generally. Aspirin is not needed in the ECA stack. It is used for cortisol lowering. It's used for cortisol lowering effect, but it's not good to be taking aspirin every day. People would take a baby aspirin every day, which if I recall correctly, it's around 70 or 72 milligrams, 76 milligrams of aspirin that people would take, but Aspirin can cause an ulcer in your stomach and burn a hole through your stomach, especially if you take it without food. And if you're dieting, you're probably not on a lot of foods. Oh, a lot of people do not use the aspirin with the ECA stack and just do EC stack or ephedrine caffeine stack. And the main function of the EC stack or the ECA stack is appetite reduction and energy. So the first couple days that you use it, it kind of feels like you're really stimulated. And you can feel really good and feel kind of like even high a little bit. And have so much energy and even music can be more pleasant, more pleasurable or pleasant to listen to. And it can be a great pre-workout, super strong pre-workout. But several people have died from taking this and they would they would have a heart condition and they would take it or they would take it and run a marathon and then they'd have a heart attack and and die and so this got banned being sold as a supplement in 2003 in America uh but it is still available ephedrine is still available at pharmacies in America in Canada it's still available at the supplement store as a as a supplement that you can just buy at a supplement store but in America it's available over the counter 
without a prescription ephedrine in the form of uh, bronchade or prematine tablets uh, for asthma. So if you have asthma, uh, you could use that for your asthma. And if you drink a coffee with that, oops, you'd be on ca you'd be on ECA EC stack on accident. Oops, ha! Uh, you'd be on EC stack by accident if you had asthma and you took a bronchade or a prematine, 25 milligrams, and then you had 200 milligrams or so of caffeine for from coffee. That's the usual dosages with coffee or caffeine tablets, etc. 25 milligrams of ephedrine with 200 milligrams or so of caffeine, uh, one or two or up to three times per day, people will take the EC stack. And that's generally how they do that. And it has a lot of appetite reduction effect, an anorexic effect where you don't need to eat. And then it gives you a lot of energy and then that starts to wear off pretty significantly after about a week and then when you come off of it there's a pretty big rebound where you have zero energy so that's the ECA stack if you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.